Welcome to The Emergent Human, where we explore optimizing health, embodied spirituality, and post-conventional living. I'm Michael Ostrolenka, therapist, coach, and educator, and I'm your host. Today's show is brought to you by Kostler Scafidi, an amazing body worker in the Northern Virginia area, who has integrated different somatic practices into his work, including rolfing. You can learn more about Cosper at cosperscafidi.com. Today's guest is Victoria Rose. Victoria is a pre and perinatal psychology and health educator, birth visionary and traditional birth witness, registered massage therapist, Reiki master for fertility, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, ceremonialist, contemporary vegetalista, and ayahuasca preparation and integration guide. Hi, Victoria. Hey, Michael. Great to see you. It's wonderful to see you. And I uh, appreciate you being on the show. So a quick question for you that kind of get the conversation started, like who is Victoria? I'm curious from what you might recall at any level that you might recall this from conception to, to, the, to your mother's pregnancy of you to your own birth, was there anything in that experience that was kind of an attractor for you that drew you into the work you're doing today? Oh, wow. What an awesome question. See, let me make sure I'm understanding your question sure. properly. You're asking me if there's any prenatal experience that I had that evoked my work today. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Yes. And, and continues to inspire my work and fuel my work. And um, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but in terms of prenatal memory, I think it's life itself that reveals our prenatal memories. Um, however, I do have some pretty visceral memories of my own prenatal time, as you know, and my birth experience. Um, the one that sticks out to this question is that I was conceived as a twin. And maybe some of our listeners here today were also conceived as a twin or a multiple. So I bring that awareness into our conversation that some of the things we speak of will move or vibrate things in our listeners. But I was conceived as a twin. And everybody has a different twin dynamics. So perhaps if you're listening and you were conceived as a twin, your dynamics with your twin may be very, very different and likely are. But for me, um, I experienced my twin and the way that my body remembers this twin experience was that this was a soulmate, a real companion. And so the way that I remember, or the way that this memory shows up for me is um, that it took the, the separation, the loss of the twin, if you will, took place before implantation. Um, but nonetheless, that memory is in my being. And if we fast forward um, to my birth time, I actually have a memory of lying in my mother's arms shortly after birth. And I, I have the memories very visceral. I can feel her flesh and remember what that felt like. And the memory is being completely confused as to why nobody was asking me about my experience. I felt like I had lived lifetimes inside the womb and had already experienced so much. And I, I recall my system being very confused as to why nothing that was going on around me was of any reflection to my inner experience. Imagine 
just making the biggest journey of your entire life. Right, right. And you arrive and nobody even asks you about your experience. Nothing around you mirrors what it is that's going on inside of you. So I've come to discover along my journey that had I have been able to express some of what I had experienced through my prenatal life and through the journey of birth, that the grief associated with that wouldn't have become so suppressed inside my system. Retrospectively, how might you have you expressed that or what might the necessary conditions be within your family, mom or your dad, whomever else that would not allow you, but kind of create this space for that to occur? Well, at the birth time, I think just having an awareness in the room that recognizes one, I was just born and I'm in a completely altered state of consciousness and everything is intense and actually just listening and responding or mirroring you know what it was that i was saying despite there not being english language coming out um, this is a lot of the work that i help adults and parents do with their babies um, in this way the parents may not understand exactly what the baby is saying but the baby can still be mirrored to express that and in this in and of itself really helps the birth and the prenatal experiences to integrate inside the system so in other words if i had a space where i could express be heard and space be held for me in those very first moments then um i wouldn't have had to hold that experience all on my own yeah yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And just for like the listening or viewing audience who might not have background in perinatal psychology and health and things along those lines, they might be like, wait, baby, even in utero can communicate or right after birth? Wait, I don't understand. Um, so, so could you talk a little bit about the, the kind of the pre-language ability to connect energetically or however you else might frame it? between the baby and, you know, mother or father and whoever the caregivers might be? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you and I both know that babies are incredibly conscious. I would say they're way more conscious than we are, despite whatever level of inner work we've done. I tend to think that they're way more conscious than we are. Um, and they're completely aware of their surroundings and their environment. They have the capability of organizing information and all of that. So babies are communicating. They're communicating through their cry. They're communicating through their body language and their body movements and positions and gestures. If we as parents or birth witnesses or what have you, um, slow down enough and get out of the thinking brain where the brain waves are operating very, very quickly, especially in a hospitalized setting, yeah. um, then you will notice and you'll even notice what's coming up inside of your system as you witness this little being. And that's another really great way to be able to detect what is this baby saying? And so I guess that leads us into talking about the importance of us healing our own 
births yeah, yeah. and in retrieving those memories that we hold in our bodies. When we do that, we can much more self-regulate and in the presence of a baby, and we can much more, uh, we can have much more awareness for the reality that the baby is absolutely communicating just the same way that we were when we were that age. When did you, I mean, it sounds like you know, right after birth, you had an awareness and knowing of this whole dynamic, but to mm -hmm. give words to it and to be able to say, well, I need to kind of repair, I don't know the language you might use, but like, you know, um, learn to, to, to deal with whatever is it's kind of stuck in the energetic body. When did that arise in your consciousness and how did you begin to work through that? Yeah, I mean, I'm still working with it, you know, and I think that's I think that's really important to point out that prenatal healing and birth imprint, uh, re-imprinting, it happens in layers. And I would say that each and every day of our lives is a re-presentation of our births. Birth imprints. If you just think of that birth imprint, our births imprint our lives. So all the information and all of the energy that's present from the time of preconception continues to recapitulate throughout our lives. So it's been a lot of work and it continues to be a lot of work. I think the way that we're born informs the way that we live and it will inevitably in inform the way that we die. So it's never too early to start this work. It's never too late to start this work. It's just important to know that it's, there's really nowhere to get, you know, this is, this is really, these are core parts of the fabric of our being, of who we are and how we're made and all of the energies that informed our entire process. And there are some amazing pioneers in pre and perinatal psychology, as you know, who are, and, and there's amazing research now that is show is showing a lot when it comes to prenatal memory, that when we access our prenatal memories, we actually are opening a doorway to transgenerational information and also past lives. So this is very interesting. Um, Dr. Akira Ikegawa is in Japan. He's doing incredible research, interviewing thousands of children that are not only telling their birth stories, telling their past life stories. And so this information is like getting compiled and I find it very interesting. Again, it's never too early and it's never too late to start <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my introduction to the field was with Dr. Groff and his BPMs, you know, the, his whole kind of holotropic mind uh, kind of model. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing, at least in his methodology and his system, like, yeah, it, it shows up all throughout your whole life. And even as you suggest how you die, and even shows mm -hmm. up pre incarnation as you as the individual you are today. But there's mm -hmm. tons of other models out there, people, you know, experimenting and trying to figure out how these things work. I'm not familiar with the Japanese researchers. I need to look into him. That's really cool. I love that. So, <clears throat> no, it, it's interesting because I, I was thinking when you were sharing like how a mother could show up and a father could show up or whoever the partners might be. But let's just mm -hmm. stick with the mother because just get birth in, in such a way that kind of gives permission for the baby to really feel and express and be seen with whatever mm -hmm. they're incarnating into with. But it just it struck me as like we don't even do that with each other as human beings as adults. 
Yeah, exactly. Like little babies, you know. So it's like, wow, it's like a skill or a capacity that obviously needs to be cultivated. Yeah, I mean, this conversation could go in so many different directions, right? But I guess where I where I feel to go to here is, yeah, the the energy that's present at our very conceptions, or the energy that's not present at our conceptions is part of who we are it's a huge part of who we are so i think you know the potential and and for my work and the vision of luminous birth is really how do we set humans up from the very very beginning who have capacity for presence and self-regulation and all of these things that aren't developmental, but they're becoming developmental because the parents are maybe unregulated or not coherent with their own experiences, their own conditionings, their own sets of beliefs that go all the way back to their own births and pre-birth experiences, right? So how do you, you know, if a, and I know you work preconceptionally, Mm-hmm. as well as someone who's already pregnant, you work with them as well. But let's, let's talk, let's walk through a preconception. Like you have a mom and dad, soon to be mom and dad. <laughs> um, and they're like, you know, Victoria, we really want to be conscious in how we do this. Mm-hmm. How do you help them develop the capacities that you're talking about to self-regulate, to be open, to be present? Yeah, well, I help them to notice that the consciousness of the being that will incarnate through them is already working with them, is already, their consciousness is already influencing their life. Probably it's that consciousness that's evoking them to consider parenthood in the first place. Hmm. So in this way, we're including their baby as a conscious participant from the very beginning. Wow. Okay. So in every session, we have mom and dad and baby. And when babies are treated as conscious beings from the time of preconception, then babies are gestated, being included as a conscious, aware being. And then they're born and then they grow. And then they, you know, we have humans that never forget. And, and the consciousness can remain intact from the very beginning. One of the things that's going on with us and why we're very confused and we're doing spending all this time and money and energy trying to remember and, and get into our bodies, get embodied and, and yeah, remember that we are love and, and all of these things, these big questions that we're asking. Um, it's because we were not welcomed into our lives as conscious beings. So a big thing that I do preconception and preconception can be a couple of months before conceiving and it can be several years before conceiving. Um, I think it's really worthy to ask questions like, why do you wanna have a baby? Like, why do you want to bring life to earth? And, 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 and be with that and allow the feelings to evoke and, and get really clear about this. We know that all of these feelings obviously produce a chemical reaction that create yeah, hormones yeah. that make the yeah. whole thing, right? So getting in touch with those feelings. And I think that motherhood and fatherhood 
really open up a huge state of vulnerability, at least I notice when I consider motherhood for myself and when I witness ordinary humans becoming parents, it's a hugely vulnerable space and asks people to open to receive love like magnificent love the biggest love of the universe yeah and so what's our capacity for love our capacity to receive that love is inevitably influencing that human being's capacity to know that they just are love so this would bring us to and there's many other things but this is where this conversation brings <laughs> us i would actually guide them back to revisit their own birth pre-birth conception and preconception experiences and that's a very gentle but deep and powerful process that unfolds over the course of several sessions four three to four sessions where we we go through a somatic process of going back and gathering information, specific information from specific parts of the birth, the all three trimesters of gestating in their mama's womb and their conception. And so when we go back and retrieve that information, when we retrieve that preconception consciousness for ourselves, inevitably that consciousness gets brought forward to the conception, pregnancy, labor, and birth of the child. And it better equips people to make or to gather information and learn and become educated, which is also a part of my work, providing information to people about all the different um, care models um, prenatally so that they can, they can make fully informed decisions based on knowledge of what all the alternatives are. We weren't included as conscious participants from the time of preconception. And so therefore, in a lot of cases, and it, it shows up so huge at the time of conception and pregnancy and birth where parents and predominantly mamas are looking outside of themselves to become informed about what's going on with their body and what's going on with their baby and she is no matter what no matter what she's the expert in birth so uh, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah i was just thinking like, like that one thing i hear you saying is that you help mother trust her own experience at very deep multiple different levels and it's interesting because most of our cultural institutions teach the opposite message you cannot trust how you, what you think, what you feel, what's going on inside of you energetically. You are the experts. You have to do a hospital birth. You have to do these drugs. You know, we take your baby away from you. There's no breastfeeding. We C-section, non-medically necessary C-section. Like there's a lot of these different things which really separate out the baby mm -hmm. from the mother and make and the, the mother, mother not trust herself. If the mother doesn't trust herself, she cannot birth a baby that trusts themselves. Yeah. So this is really bringing into question, like, how do we learn? We don't learn by what we're told. We learn by what we experience. So if mom trusts herself and her body and her baby, and, and she self-directs that process, 
then this baby is going to be born and this adult is going to self-direct their life. They're going to have cultivated a deeply driven esteem and confidence and knowing because when mom trusts her body and she goes through that deep mystery of a process that is birth and she comes out the other side, the entire reward centers that get flooded in the brain teach her and the baby and the whole family system if i and if we can do that then we can do anything and so she won't second guess herself when baby is not well or when 13 year old is going through another rite of passage or when things Mm -hmm. you know like there's complications in families it's it's not easy all the time it's work and so the birth is designed, it's, it's initiation, Well, we have to be initiated into that. So many things are going to come up as a family, and so many things are happening in our world. So we have to be able to navigate this complex realm with ease, with love, with trust, with connection, with intimacy, with all of these things. And birth teaches that. But if we just go straight to birth, without preparing or we go straight to pregnancy without preparing then you know it takes another level and layer of of trust to come in uh, mm-hmm. a lot of therapy down the road <laughs> yeah. if it's not done well yeah um how did you gain this knowledge and wisdom what what was your path that led you to like have these have these insights from how you wanted to work with people and help them bring the love into the world through their through this process. Hmm. Such a good question. I have to say, I've always been connected to the con- <clears throat> excuse me the consciousness of babies. I I remember being nine years old and sitting on my bed like this, just communicating with my baby brother who was in my mom's belly. And um, our parents were stressed and fighting, and and I remember just consciously like communicating with him. I didn't think about it. No one taught me to do that. I just knew that I needed to let him know that these guys were confused, and that none of this had anything to do with him, and that life isn't a scary, stressful event, you know, and that he didn't need to take that into him. So I, I, it has been uh, an awareness that I brought in, if you will. You know, maybe I, I just didn't forget so much. Um, however, the vision of luminous birth, huh, this, this truly is a living transmission. I don't have any other words for it. It came to me through a deep inner process in the Amazon jungle of Peru after nine days of fasting and over two weeks of complete silence and no contact with other humans. Um, as you know, I had year, quite a few years of doing deep inner work on myself and revisiting my own birth and pre-birth experiences and gaining understanding for the way in which these early parts of our history literally inform our lives that I went into these spaces in the jungle um, with my teacher 
of deep, deep inquiry, like, okay, how do we really change the operating system? I mean, the egg that made me and you was produced in our mom while she was still in grandma's belly. So we have the memory of great grandma. And I mean, it's just, this is epigenetics, you know, their environments yeah. and their lifetime of experience. And so I really, it was coming from this very genuine place of curiosity, like, okay, you know, how? how <laughs> and um this really it brought me into recognize the pivotal place where we are as a planet that very and 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 as we approached 2020 and 2021 i had even deeper experiences of um I don't know, you know, transmission, you could say, in deep periods of solitude and, and silence and ceremony. Um, and what's called the master plant dieta in the Shipibo tradition, which is a, it's an ancient indigenous tradition that goes back thousands and thousands of years. And um, you could say that a master teacher, you go to who is a plant, a master teacher tree, yeah? You open a contract with this being under the guidance of a master healer, um, and you're learning directly from the plant or that tree, this very conscious being. Um, the spirit of that being is coming to you through your dreams, mm -hmm. through, through the subtle spaces. Um, so, yeah, in these kinds of spaces, you know, I was receiving a lot of insight around epigenetics, around embryology, around um, pre and perinatal psychology, around memory, and really looking at this turning point that we are at as a planet, really seeing that very obviously we're at a threshold where all of the structures and systems and ways of doing things in economy and pol polit uh, politics that being so attuned and connected to the consciousness that's coming in now i could see that this doesn't make sense to the children that are coming in it actually a lot of it the education system the healthcare system the political system the economical i mean they have a whole other level, like they're coming in to catapult us through change, to literally teach us a new way of being in the world. Um, they have extraordinarily sophisticated systems. And um, so in that, my questions really came down to, okay, how, how do we protect that consciousness? You know what i've been through and what i mean there's no taking that out but i have a capacity to become very coherent with it and to illuminate what's been going on for generations in in such a way that i cannot pass it on to the children that are coming in and i can help other people to do the same thing um so yeah it was really coming from a place of how, how surely our children aren't going to be needing to go down to the jungle for years at a time and sit in silence to, you know, just remember. 
like they're coming in to teach to heal to lead to innovate and i can see that this is uncomfortable for us because what they're bringing in or you could say the direction that we're going as a planet it's unknown we don't know exactly what it looks like it hasn't been here yet before um and so but we have a capacity to to be part of the washout you had mentioned uh, doing a lot of inner work before you found yourself in the jungle mm -hmm. silent retreat and stuff like that would mm -hmm. you want to share some of the work that you you've done some of the practices and things you've explored and how they've helped open you up to what you do today yeah of course um plant medicine has been a really deep a really pivotal influential part of my journey um i've never experienced it recreationally um, so I can't speak to that. It's always been a very intentional ceremonial thing. I had a near-death experience when I was 21. Um, so this pretty much cracked my world wide open at a very young age. Um, and it really radically changed the trajectory of my life. Um, it was not only a, an experience that provided me an opportunity to choose to live, but also to choose what life or, or to come fully alive, if you will. Um, I mean, that's a whole conversation on its own, <laughs> but this was huge. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that at 21 years old, being in college at the time, ayahuasca was not the drink of choice you can imagine that my none of my peers were doing this this wasn't a popular thing um i didn't even know what it was to be honest but there was a really genuine it was in knowing actually that i needed to sit with this plant and um and so i did and very shortly after i found myself in the jungle um, the first time I drank ayahuasca, and I've done talks on this, and I'm quite passionate about it because I think that ayahuasca, many plant medicines, but particularly ayahuasca is becoming very popularized around the world. Um, and I think that birth and ayahuasca are inseparable. And while our births are representing each and every day of our lives, they're absolutely representing an ayahuasca ceremony, whether this is a cognitive conscious thing that people are aware of or not. Um, so I began to catch on to this. Um, my first time drinking the medicine, I went into full on giving birth. And it was a very intense experience. The On the one hand, I was seeing all of what consists of our history, all the destruction that's written our history, all the wars and the segregation and the famines and the and the the many, many things. So seeing, you know, all of the trauma and this disconnect from nature, ultimately. And then at the same time, my physical being was birthing. And it, and I still, I still am unpacking this. So if anybody who's listening thinks that um, ayahuasca will answer your questions, I'm gonna 
blast that <laughs> uh, to smithereens. It doesn't. It just gives you more <laughs> questions. <laughs> she just gives you more questions, or at least she has to me. You know, I'm still unpacking that. But it, mm. in, over the years, I've really come to understand that I am here to help birth a new consciousness on planet Earth. And that's a deeply experiential process. Um, this, among many other ceremonies, that a lot of my work has been around birth. And um, I was led to Barbara Essman in Kauai, Hawaii, um, who runs the Sacred Birthing School. And I didn't fill out on any, when I initially met Barbara, I didn't fill out on any of my applications or documentation to apply for the doula and preconception course that I was taking with her at the time. But within five or 10 minutes of standing in her living room for the first time, she said super confidently, ah, you're a twin. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, and in that moment, I realized Oh wow, I, I'm I, I I thought I was coming to do a course, but I'm coming to really, you know, integrate and heal this part of who I am. So she mirrored me in a huge way, and I ended up apprenticing with her extensively. Yeah, doing a lot of birth and pre-birth work. Yeah, actually, um, if you want to mind, and I didn't have a question on ayahuasca, but could you maybe touch upon some of the different trainings you've done in the pre and perinatal space? Mm -hmm. You because know, a lot of people don't even know the field exists, let alone there's different schools of thought and practices and, and approaches. Yeah. Um, well, I went to school to be a registered massage therapist, which I'm not sure how it is in the U.S., but in Canada, this is like equivalent to a four-year degree of human sciences. It's full on, full on. So when I graduated, I went right into working in a multidisciplinary clinic with other chiropractors and, and practitioners. And pregnant women gravitated towards my practice, even though I was working very like much clinical and working with rehabilitation and chronic pain and injuries and athletes eventually the pregnant women just started to gravitate towards me and it became my my ability gift whatever to communicate with these unborn babies became very very clear so um can you remind me of your question again michael yeah, sure. So, like, you know, there's a lot of schools of thought within the pre and perinatal space, oh, approaches, yes. methodologies, yeah. paradigms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for me, I could, it was very, very easy to hear what these babies are saying um, to their mamas. It was very, very clear, crystal clear, like more clear than if I had an adult sitting in the chair next mm -hmm. to me talking you know it was just like very specific they knew exactly what they want exactly what they need and so this opened me to want to develop this ability more mm -hmm. and um i did a reiki training initially 
which wasn't a typical Reiki training. It was about a two month training deep for Reiki level one, level two, Reiki for fertility, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So this attuned me more, I think, to the fertility and pregnancy um, and the needs of mothers prenatally and at birth. And then I did the doula and preconception training with Barbara Essman. Um, simultaneously, I was going down to the jungle for weeks and months at a time each year. And I actually have to consider that this has been a really big part of my schooling. I was literally studying and learning and apprenticing and, and continue to do this now um, with these master healers. Um, you know, with, with they're truly doctors in every sense of the word doctor. They have an unforgotten understanding of the origins of health and the origins of disease and the origins of peace and the origins of violence. And so being fully immersed and living and working in this traditional setting has been a huge part of my learning and my training. Through going through long processes in the jungle and asking these deep questions, then I discovered APA, the Association of Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology and Health. And that was a breath of fresh air because I, I just discovered this field of pre and perinatal psychology that essentially was confirming everything that I had been learning over the years directly from the plants themselves, you know, around epigenetics and prenatal consciousness and all of these things. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I like to circle back with the um, ayahuasca. You made, a, you made many statements, but one that I'd kind of unpack. You know, it's becoming very popular. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have two, two broad concerns, not with ayahuasca per se, just the medicine, sacred medicine becoming more popular. Yeah. You know, one is a lot of people are still using the medical model to understand and, and run sessions for people, which from my experience and understanding it, like that's a, a really poor model to use to help people experience and then process the estates of you know, altered non-ordinary states of consciousness. And then you also have like these weekend shamans, like this, they took a workshop and now they're a shaman and they're work, which I think both are really dangerous. And mm -hmm. I'd love for you to talk about that and your own experiences. And because I know you've I listened, I started listening to an interview you did about integration. Mm -hmm. So I'd love, love for you to talk about like some of your concerns, if you have them, you know, more of the sacred approach that you, you see that's necessary, you do do. Um, and then the importance of, you know, pre prep and post integration work. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is also another big, but very important conversation. Um, I've seen a lot of people go through these processes with ayahuasca and i've seen and met a lot of people along the way who are wanting to go into ceremonial work and serve this medicine and there's a lot of dangers when it comes to it um i see a lot of parallels in the birth world 
Yeah. You know, you, you, you have people showing up for birth, whether they're doctors or midwives or doulas or what, who are not coherent with their own experiences. They're not clear vessels and they're showing up to support women and families while they're open mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. This is dangerous and it has a lot, it, it, it plays a huge role in what we're experiencing in our world today. So with ayahuasca ceremonies, it's very similar. Um, you have a lot of people who are aspiring to do this work who don't realize, you know, even, even my teachers who are true living masters of this work will tell you, you cannot inherit this ability. You have to go through years and years of training and initiation. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about what is initiation. This is, this is something else. This is something else completely. Um, I think that I think that we are completely out of relationship with the mother, with nature. We have a deep cultural wound of separation. And there's a lot of people now going to the jungle and and you know, birth, our relationship to, to birth informs our relationship to everything to people, to plants, to the earth, to everything. And ayahuasca is a living conscious being. And if we're not in right relationship with life, if we're not in right relationship with ourselves, we can't be in right relationship with her. And ayahuasca is very interesting because I just did a, a keynote presentation at Yurita's gathering and it was actually on this topic and we're talking about how I was talking about how ayahuasca really actually is this living manifestation of the kundalini energy she's even depicted as this double helix right as the serpent as the mother we literally refer to her as the mother and so and and it's said, and I believe it, that I, our DMT floods our our systems at birth and at mm-hmm. death, and then probably many other spaces in between, like lovemaking, and you know, this is an entheogenic experience. And so, if our earliest primal experiences are if, if, if all of the energies that we were exposed to and all of the information that we were exposed to in our earliest primal periods of, ex, of existence is not organized correctly in our systems, then we can't be in, in right relationship with ayahuasca. So this sets up all kinds of things. Um, a big risk is definitely inflation of the ego. Yeah. This is a huge risk. Um, we bring our westernized understanding and westernized conditioning into this ancient model. And it's like, it just sets up a ton of limitations. You know, like we're looking for the antidote. <laughs> there is no antidote. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, only yeah, yeah, way yeah, yeah. is through. So I feel like it's really, really important. And a lot of the work that I do is 
help people to prepare to sit in ceremony with ayahuasca and always at least in the realm of the work that i do takes the form of helping them to heal their own birth become coherent gather information about that so then they can consciously engage as a conscious participant in the ayahuasca experience be a co-creator rather than this be do a thing that someone told them to do or said it'd be a good idea or rather than them sitting in ceremony and having everything happening to them that they can engage with this and and be present and carry themselves through that experience preparation is super important super super important you know, listen, you talk about some people's relationship to ayahuasca, some people's relationship to nature, some people's relationship to their children, or if you're mm-hmm. one of the professionals to the birthing mother. Uh, what, what, the two words that strike me is, is like, oh, it's either I, it, I have relation to it. It's, it's an object. It's really a commodity of sorts. If you, if you extend it out mm-hmm. or, and, or it's like, oh, I, thou, it's like, oh, there's subjectivity, there's subjectivity, there's in, interpersonal connection, completely mm-hmm. different paradigms of how you relate to whatever it is, a baby, mother nature, or ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, you know, if that's an okay framework to use for this discussion, mm-hmm. you know, if someone is operating, like, you know, if you have the opportunity to talk to, uh, um, you know, a, a doctors, an obstetrician, or nurses pr- participating in the birthing process, or a doula, and you notice that or a mother you know uh, and you notice that they have this i it relationship how do you help them have the i thou relationship how do you bring that that sacred connection and deep deep connection that intimacy into their awareness Hmm. i'm trying to think of personal experiences i've had with midwives and doctors Hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a space that, uh, yeah, you know, we're always looking for opportunities to do that, of course. And I love working with midwives and doctors and people to help them become more aware of their own experiences. This is, uh, there's nothing more important to me. Um, but in the present moments, I really, I think I just call my own consciousness forward to be present, absolutely present with what is taking place in the room and staying completely connected to the baby, whether they're in behind the veil of the womb or they're already born and 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 communicating with the baby in the same way that I'm communicating with the doctor, like including them as a conscious participant in the dynamic that we have. And I think that's really the the best that we can do. Although I've had some pretty long heated um, back and forths. <laughs> and I've, I mean, I, I'm definitely going there for sure. But I think the most 
potent way to go about it is just to live that and be an example of it and demonstrate that when I speak to this baby, they reply. <laughs> and I've had some very powerful uh, experiences of that in the birth room, which is really amazing. You know, like moments that nobody in the room can deny that this baby just gave a very clear answer. So, yeah. That's awesome. So it reminds me of the Gandhi quote, be the change you want to see in the world. You know, mm -hmm. So you are the exemplar is what I mean. <laughs> so like you show up how you like others to learn how to cultivate themselves to show up yeah okay i like that cool yeah give it i have another question along those lines unless you had something you wanted to add um do you have a practice like you know for a lot of people they have moments of being present and maybe not present in, in such deep ways energetically spiritually mentally emotionally etc but you know it's somewhat present in their human system but you know for a lot of people like it takes practice yeah are there sure, practices sure. you do disciplines that you do like on a regular basis to cultivate the capacity to be present at these various levels with other human beings including yourself yeah absolutely and continuously so i think the more i learn and the more i grow and the more i heal the more i become more human and realize wow yeah. we, we need a lot of support and we need to practice and have discipline in our lives for me um kundalini yoga really is part of my practice that i i love and it it absolutely resonates with me i think it resonates with a lot of the plant consciousness that i have in my system um and being in nature is absolutely key um yeah embodiment practices cool. okay. dance things like this you know being okay, in good. the cool. body okay. in the body okay oh, that's awesome now so we've, we've talked about like you will work with a couple who want to want to get pregnant and it could be weeks months maybe even years prior to them doing so but i think i also heard you say like you work with people who you know even after they've given birth um can you kind of walk through like what are some of the different People listening to this, like, oh, could I work with Victoria? Like, who? Do, how do you? Who do you work with? Mm -hmm. uh, and and how do you work with some of these folks? Well, in terms of pre and perinatal work, I work with people from the time of preconception all the way through to the postpartum time. So, throughout the fourth trimester, absolutely. Okay. Fourth mm -hmm. trimester, which is the first three months after birth, is a huge opportunity for both the lifelong health of the mother and the baby and again the whole family this is where the mother and the baby they equally need each other actually mm. her physiological health for the rest of her life is going to be informed by the quality of that window of time and i think this we got became far from understanding because now postpartum is largely associated with depression and this is why yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm really helping to just i ultimately am, am helping pe people prenatally to create layers of support to create their community that can support them during this time 
Um, but certainly I help the mother and the baby to process and integrate and the father to process and integrate the birth experience. So it's during that fourth trimester that the baby is also at a really fast rate processing and integrating their birth experience. So we're talking about integrating ayahuasca experience. This is the same thing. It's like when you come out of this ceremony, you are open and porous and everything is imprinting you. And so my my work even in prenatally and all of the education that i do is not really coming from the perspective of preventing trauma it's important but the lens that i work from is how to optimize and maximize the potential that we have to birth a family a healthy thriving radiant intimate loving connected family and so if we if we just tune in and listen to what's going on in that time period, even to the mundane things, mm-hmm. it's through the mundane things that are happening on a daily and hourly basis that that baby is learning everything about their world. And so I help parents and families to really utilize everything that's coming up for them as material to equip them for the rest of their lives but i work with um i definitely i work pretty integratively i have an amazing homeopathic doctor that i work quite closely with so we're working together often with fertility pregnancy birth and postpartum so I generally have a pretty good sense when other people can support the process. Um, And I do the birth and pre-birth healing work for people outside of uh, birthing babies. So people who are wanting to integrate maybe years of other modalities and inner work and healing processes that they've been doing can be amazing for that. People who are wanting to resolve or become clear about um, physical or mental or emotional um, imbalances or diseases in the system, oftentimes going back to that early time can unlock some more awareness about where those things have originated. Yeah. Okay, good. And and if people are interested in learning more about your work, where can they learn? They can Your learn, <laughs> yeah, on my website, www.luminousbirth.earth. I'll make sure to include that in the, in the notes. Uh, Victoria, this has been great. I definitely appreciate your time and your insight, your wisdom. This has been a fun conversation. And I know our listening audience and viewing audience will be seeing you again because we're, we're, we are doing a series of trialogues with you and Dr. Stuart Savatsky. Um, bridge in your work because you guys kind of share a lot of similar interests and also i'm sure you'll if you're interested coming back just to you to talk about more of your work in the in the near future that's it that's an interesting i would love to i i love all of our conversations thank you so much michael you're, you're welcome Victoria. Be great to see you there's nothing in between you and me 
Love is so wide, there isn't a boundary 